0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 941 Central Daylight Time. It's the 10th of August 2020. This is episode 267 of Bitcoin and I got a breaking alert for you. All right. There's a scammer out there that's going and there okay, well, there's a scammer out there. He goes by the Twitter handle at Dave Schwartz L T C. That's D-A-V-E S-C-H W A-R-T-Z-L-T-C. Dave Schwartz L T C. What he's doing is he's he's got an account, this Twitter account. That is a kind of a clone of the Twitter account of David Schwartz from the Litecoin Foundation. Okay. And, and David Schwartz from the Litecoin Foundation is a real guy. Uh the whole reason this came up is that I got a DM from this Dave Schwartz LTC, which is not the guy from the Litecoin Foundation. And let's see. Um he basically just like said in my DMs, hi. And then I'm like, okay, high back, and I look at his name and and you know like trying to figure out if he's really from the Litecoin Foundation. Start immediately start running, running the numbers uh, tm on this guy, and um, almost immediately figured out this is probably not the same dude. Okay, so here's the way his scam runs: after he gets gets you to kind of start chatting with him in DM, he'll ask you, do you trade? And I'm just going to read you the the rest of the exchange that I had with the guy, okay? I say, never. He asks, why? I reply, you have to be very, very good trader to not lose your Bitcoin. I'm not even interested in finding out if I am a good trader. Lol, he says. And then he goes on and says, how would you feel if I gave you the privilege to participate in a private trading project with the founder of Litecoin? Charlie Lee by this time, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what to do with this guy. I'd say, I suppose I could take a, at least take a look. And then he gives me a Skype, uh, address to go to. I didn't even click on it. I, I, whatever. And then he says, write him up on Skype and he'll give you details of how it works. Don't fall for this stuff. I mean, you can hate Charlie Lee all you want, but what Charlie Lee is not going to do is he's not going to run some two-bit scam like this. If you want to say Litecoin was a complete and total scam, that's fine. I'm I'm not going to stop you. I, I I don't know what Charlie Lee's impetus was in the creation of Litecoin. And don't give a shit because Litecoin is a shit coin. But Charlie Lee is not going to be running this kind of crap. Okay? Nobody from the Litecoin Foundation is is going to be scamming at this level of of scam nation okay this is like two-bit gumshoe private dick drinking pepto bismol and whiskey in a back alley kind of crap okay don't fall for it so if you get anything from this dude at dave schwartz ltc you might want to report that uh that one to twitter because he's running a scam Next up, oh, man, my whole Saturday night was just, was it Saturday night or Friday night? I can't, oh, yeah, I'm going to say Saturday night. was just a wash because I got into arguments with people from Metherium. Ah, yeah. Here's the whole thing in a nutshell. They cannot figure out, how much Ethereum they have. So the some of the more heavy hitter guys in the Ethereum crowd have pivoted to start saying things like, it doesn't matter how much Ethereum there is. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people jumped all over that, including me. And because we're able to, you know, query our full nodes and then confer with each other and look at each other's number at a certain block height. And it's the exact same number. I talked about this on Friday. They can't figure out how much Ethereum actually exists. So they pivot. Okay. And the pivot was to it doesn't matter because my full node is, is making sure the rules are enforced. Why would I need to validate the volume or the uh, amount of Ethereum that's in circulation? Okay, well, that's just dumb. All right. Uh, But then they pivot again. Now, the second pivot is really sinister. They're starting to say things like, we can't know the supply of Bitcoin because there's, it's just reached. When we uh, hit the CLI or the command line interface and type in, was it get transaction? I can't remember what the, what the command is offhand. But there's a way that you can query and it will tell you what the last block was and how much total supply of Bitcoin is in the ecosystem at, in, at, that, at that block height. And several people have run that, run that, you know, will run the same block height and come up with the exact same volume or the exact same number of uh, Bitcoin that's in circulation. So the, the new pivot is that we're not actually, that's not actually a real number. That we, we can't really know either what, uh, how much Bitcoin is there, but, but that it doesn't matter. Okay. So they, they, they insert their first pivot point back into their second pivot point to, I don't know, I guess, strengthen their argument that apparently you can go to a bar. And as long as you have your wallet in your pocket, you can order as much alcohol as you possibly want without checking how much money is in your wallet. Because He's just gonna trust you that your wallet is keeping the rules. No bartender or anybody else in their right mind is ever going to let you get away with that shit. You will put cash money down on the table every time you order a drink, and when you run out of money, then you can't get any more drink. That that protects the bar and the bartender from giving dumbasses alcohol that they can't pay for. But if you're a Metherian. No, man, just as long as you have that wallet, just as, it's, it's, it's validating. It's my wallet's validating my m- full node. My, you know, it's like, it's bullshit. I am no longer in that, in that battle. I can't do it. It turned my brain to mush very quickly. Don't let this, don't let what happened to me happen to you. Guard your time as if it was all the Bitcoin you own, because they are just going to rip you off of your time. Now, with that said, let's start with this Jazeera piece on the very issue at hand. Okay, disclaimer, it's complete satire, all right? It actually says, this article is satire and for entertainment purposes only, but I'll bet you my ass, that is about 80% true. Uh, let's see, is there is there an author for this one? No, there's not. Uh, Jazeera, this is some like six hours ago, writes Vitalik scraps Ethereum 2.0 to audit supply of Ethereum. Quote, biggest challenge yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this argument was so bad and all over the place that even Jazeera already, already put out a piece on it. Let's see. Uh, it starts with a quote the pressures of scaling were getting to me. I decided we couldn't move forward with Ethereum until we knew how many there actually were, says genius child founder Vitalik Buterin. How many Ethereum are there? This was the simple question that short circuited the magnificent mind of the child founder of Ethereum Vitalik Buterin. These five words brought the world computer blockchain to a screeching halt. Who would have ever believed that the Achilles heel of the most technologically advanced project in the history of human civilization would be the question, how many are there? Our reporters reached out to the Ethereum Foundation for comment. Quote, fuck, end quote. Quote, I can't believe we never thought about that, said Ethereum community manager Hudson Jameson, who responded to our call. Our reporters also couldn't believe that at any point in the hundreds of thousands of Ethereum developer meetings, that this was never brought up in conversation. Could this be a result of the infamous LSD-themed sex parties that the community was engaging in? <laughs> we we demanded to know. We demanded to know why. Josie, the stupidity. Oh, God. Quote, I don't know, man. We're too busy talking about synchronous cross-chain sharding and layer 2 ZK roll-up plasma state channels. Our reporters had no idea what the hell Jamison just said and figured it must have been the early signs of a stroke caused by an overdose of LSD. So we called 911 to report a seizure. Unfortunately, the police had been defunded, so nobody showed up and we fled the scene. After we were unable to get answers from the Ethereum Foundation, we sent veteran reporter Pepe Granuli to consult with the great Chainlink Oracle on what the true supply of, of ETH is. After paying $50 in gas fees, we eagerly waited our answer. But to our disappointment, the Oracle told us, quote, it is beyond my power. My only function is to tell you to buy more link, end quote. And we got a nice little picture of Zoltar here. If you don't know what Zoltar is, well, I can't help you. Lost and confused, we decided we needed to go to the source himself, Mr. Buterin. To our surprise, Vitalik was in great spirits and was eager to share with our reporters his new vision of the Ethereum project. Quote, I'm a builder. I enjoy solving the world's hardest problems. Today, a new problem appeared before me. I have decided to halt development of Ethereum 2.0 and shift the focus of Ethereum to my new vision. I find it is more of a technological challenge to count the total supply of ETH than to actually scale this blockchain. This is now my purpose. The greatest challenge of my adult life <laughs> will be to use the world computing power of Ethereum to count the total supply of Ethereum. No more smart contracts. No more shitcoins. No more Kyle Samani. He quote. He continued. When scientists ask the most important philosophical questions, what is the meaning of life? Is God real? They will now also ask, how many ETH are there? I am honored to work on this with my peers to find an answer to the mystery that I have created. Our reporters have learned that Vitalik will also be shifting the consensus mechanism from proof of stake to proof of supply. The new algorithm will work by harnessing the collective energy of hatred and vitriol from all the trolls and nerds arguing on Twitter about the supply of an imaginary asset they did nothing to earn. Our reporters are bullish on the future of Ethereum, so we have gone all-in Bitcoin. We wish Mr. Buter good luck on his new adventure and plan on powering the proof-of-supply algorithm from Twitter soon. And it says Ethereum's newest influencer and biggest shill, and it shows a picture of uh, the count from Sesame Street holding up the number one. No, I'm serious. The, the, the argument is that bad. It is absolutely that bad. It's worse than anything I've ever seen. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, crypto Instagram is becoming a thing. Scams and all. This is from Lee Kuhn from uh, Coindesk.com. She's writing this one. When are you writing this one, Lee? Oh, this one is actually from back from August the 6th. Not too terribly long ago, but we'll do it anyway. <coughs> Uh, The same type of crypto scams that plague Twitter are running rampant on Instagram in 2020. For example, there are more than 1.3 million Instagram posts using hashtag Coinbase, an overwhelming number of which display inauthentic behavior. Coinbase declined to comment on any past influencer campaigns with a short statement, quote, we don't have an active influencer campaign right now, end quote. Instagram isn't tackled specifically in the company's blog post about social media scams. Efforts to curtail this trend sometimes harm entrepreneurs like influencer and educator Rachel Siegel, better known as Crypto. Finally, she was temporarily deplatformed from Instagram in July. For several days, she was among at least three real crypto influencers, all young women who temporarily lost access to their accounts. Quote, I think that the policies for banning over impersonation should be looked at. There are dozens of fake accounts impersonating me that are kept up on Instagram. I'm glad that they were able to reinstate my account. But I but I believe new preventative measures should be taken to protect their users from falling victim to scams and impersonators. Banning the original creator just makes the problem worse, Siegel said. Along with Siegel, the Argentinian influencer Catalina was also suspended. Instagram spokesperson Rocky Wayne told Coindesk, <clears throat> excuse me, the accounts were taken down unintentionally. When the mistake was discovered, we overturned, end quote. To be fair to Instagram, it's clear COVID-19 fraud trends are outpacing current moderation practices. I've been impersonated on almost every platform, including Instagram, along with many Coindesk staffers. But scam accounts on Instagram try to contact or follow me weekly more than other platforms, especially since the covid crisis began there are many authentic influencer accounts doing giveaways on instagram as part of their covid 19 marketing strategies despite this climate instagram still does provide an important network platform for the crypto industry especially in latin america some entrepreneurs rely on instagram to communicate with customers about their products brazilian entrepreneur Uh, Edmilson Rodriguez of both Bonham and Love CryptoNet often serves Venezuelan refugees who rely on mobile apps for communication. He said he uses Instagram to show both pictures of my family and to publish updates about our product. He said he interacts with product users via Instagram at least once every few weeks, especially when when his startup launches a new feature. Yet another crypto company operating in Brazil, the Abacus Group-supported exchange Novadex, shows how startups leverage Instagram for customer relations during COVID-19. Chinese investor turned Novadex CEO Bibi Liu said thousands of Brazili- Brazilians used her exchange to buy Bitcoin for the first time over the past few months out of roughly 150,000 total user accounts. She said surveys indicated 20% were new to crypto. Quote, we do a lot of basic educational content on Instagram, Lou said. Instagram is very important channel in Brazil. It's a large population that is pretty young, end quote. <clears throat> More than half of the exchanges Brazilian users are mobile only, Lou said. So mobile friendly customer support options are critical. Even for the minority of professional traders using the platform, such as Portuguese speaking liquidity providers in Europe and the or the United States, Instagram marketing helps to start up a el- established trust quote they are more skeptical they have concerns so we post a lot of things related to our company background and team background lou said it shows we are a trustworthy company we show that we continue to update our products End quote indeed the company is officially supporting opening support for european traders in august after months of limited onboarding to help boost liquidity and create complementary flow between institutions and the emerging retail market. This is why authenticity on social media platforms like Instagram, which is so difficult for moderators to safeguard, is a key factor in influencing cryptocurrency adoption patterns. Speaking to the global dynamics of crypto Instagram, oh God, where some users struggle to identify authentic accounts, Siegel said she hopes Instagram will create a new model for a more active effort to protect their users. Uh, all right, so that's the end of that. It's. I find it a little odd that Instagram is being uh, hit so hard because Instagram is. Instagram's a, a. It's not only a different nut to crack in being able to use. It's a difficult nut to crack. I mean, it's easy to use. Yeah, sure, but I mean, it's. You know, it took took me years to figure out Twitter, and of course, I'm. You know, you're learning all the time because the nuances are not driven by the network. The nuances are driven by the users of the network. So the 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 higher level network, is so so to speak. Uh, what I mean by that is simply the way that Twitter works because it's more text based, and the way Instagram works because it's more, you know, for pictures. And the fact that for the majority of users, you can only use it on you can only use it on your phone, right? There's a hack for that. And if you're interested, you can go to your Instagram account on a desktop, like I use uh, a PC. So I'm using Windows. I know. Don't laugh. Stop it. Uh, And then um, let's see. What is, hold on for a sec. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I I wanted to make sure that that I was telling you how to do this right. Go, you know, just pull up Instagram.com, log into your Instagram account, and you will, what you'll see is that there's no way that you can post. From your computer which blows chunks but that's the way that instagram works right they Mm -hmm. always it's always been for uh sending pictures from your phone right and that's the way that that particular uh overarching network of users that's what they expect that's how they use it so it's a different deal if you want the hack go to your instagram.com or go to Instagram.com, log in. Make sure you're logged into your account. Anywhere on the screen that's not on one of the pictures, just click or right-click. Go to Inspect or Control-Shift-I. Doesn't matter. It'll get you the same thing. Once you hit Inspect, it will bring up the sort of like a, the... It'll show you the code on the right-hand side. It's a, a, a different environment. You still cannot post. So refresh with F5 and lo and behold the little plus icon that co- that you see on your Instagram on your phone works. There are some further limitations to it, but you can now upload pictures and actually type on a on a real honest to god keyboard to do your Instagram stuff. So again, go to your Instagram, go to instagram.com, fully log in right click anywhere on the screen. That's not a picture or a post go to inspect or control shift. I was it control shift. I hold on for a sec. Let me make, let me make sure I want to do this right. Yeah. Control shift. I will get you the same thing and you will be able to at least post pictures. Um, I haven't had luck with video, but I am probably doing it wrong or something like that. Anyway, that's just a little tip for you. Just, just in case. So, yeah, be aware. Crypto scams are all over the place. And now they're, well, they're even on on um, um, Instagram. So, money reimagined. Warnings from an Argentine tragedy, baby. This is from Michael J. Casey on August the 7th from Coindesk. And he says, I attribute my early interest in Bitcoin to my six years as a correspondent in Argentina. The lesson I took from that country's repeated financial meltdowns is that any fiat monetary system requires a bedrock of trust in the nation's government institutions. When people don't trust their government, the system is always prone to collapse. It wasn't until I discovered Bitcoin four years after my 2009 departure from Buenos Aires that I understood this clearly. I'd been well aware of Argentine's lack of trust in government, the local commentariat, Endlessly talked of their leader's corruption, but only after learning of how Bitcoin's decentralized cryptographic protocol allowed users to transact without having to trust centralized intermediaries, did I see the connection between that trust deficit and Argentina's financial dysfunction. Argentina is by no means alone in this problem, but as its government finalizes yet another bond restructuring deal with investors, this time to write down $65 billion in foreign debt. And with this perpetually volatile economy facing its worst contraction ever, it's worth exploring this more deeply. Now, more than ever, Argentina's failure offers a cautionary tale, especially for the United States and with speculation growing over changes to the global financial system, cryptocurrency and blockchain models could help us design systems more resilient to this type of failure. Note, this is not a Bitcoin fixes this essay. Believing that Bitcoin alone will save all Argentines or Turks, Venezuelans or Filipinos is as CoinShares chief strategy officer, Meltem Demir's noted this week, naive and offensive. No, it's not. It's hardcore fact. It's not naive, nor is it offensive. And I'm actually offended that, that Meltem actually said that Jesus, who do I call to de-plat- get her deplatformed platform because of that? i I'm, I'm triggered. And because I'm triggered, I have a say in her future. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm kidding guys. I'm kidding. But yeah, it's kind of offensive that Melton would say something stupid like that. This hard-to-use technology is no silver bullet for the root causes of economic destitution. Nonetheless, Bitcoin's decentralized blockchain-based system for an exchange and record-keeping is a valuable frame of reference for assessing uh, existing monetary governments and for thinking about alternatives. To paraphrase Mark Hochstein, Coindesk's executive editor and last week's replacement author of this newsletter... Blockchain doesn't have all the answers, but it asks the right questions to understand how Argentina's financial system failed and the potential of a decentralized alternative. We must first review the history of money itself, the power structures it fosters and the friction it creates. For the past 5,000 years, money has been closely associated with the idea of the sovereign, by which we essentially mean the ruler. (coughs) Different communities have used different currencies from wampum in the early American colonies to cigarettes and prisons, but it's the ones issued by monarchs and state governments that dominate. That's because of the sovereign's unique power to mandate which currencies are legal tender and accepted in payment of taxes. In the 20th century, as the nation state became entrenched as the core realm of political power, national governments cemented their quasi-monopolies as issuers of legal tender currencies. This was done in coordination with banks to which they granted exclusive access to central bank reserves, treating them as agents of generating, distributing, and circulating money. But while governments and their agent bankers could guarantee their currency's dominance, they couldn't control its value among users who always found ways to sell an unwanted national currency for something of more lasting value, gold or foreign currencies or goods they'd stockpile before inflation eroded their purchasing power. They would seek fiat alternatives when government exploited their unique currency-issuing powers to pursue their own self-interest. Rigidly fixed currency regimes such as the gold standard or Argentina's 1990s dollar-peg currency board Offers some protection against that risk. They're intended as a policy straitjacket to prevent a government from abusing its citizens' trust. Yet the state's power to ultimately or ultimately supersedes this straitjacket, as President Richard Nixon demonstrated by abandoning the dollar's gold peg in 1971, and as Argentine President Eduardo Duhalde did by ending the Argentinian or the Argentine peso's dollar peg in 2001. Sovereign power is absolute. At the end of the day, a currency's viability hinges on the degree of trust people hold in their government. One could argue the United States' relatively solid economic performance since 1971 and Argentina's disastrous experiences over the same period reflect the comparative degree of institutional trust in each country's system of government. In Argentina, the trust breakdown manifests as financial and economic volatility, much like anywhere else that's prone to such boom-bust cycles. Such countries' financial systems serve the interest of speculators, but not their people. Short sellers swarm in to sell stocks and bonds during the downturn, prompting governments to take drastic measures to stem the outflow of funds, such as the many times. Argentina has limited bank withdrawals and transfers and failed bids to protect the peso, only to paralyze its own payments system. Eventually, the country's assets reach oversold levels, which, when a deal is done with bondholders, for example, which is when speculators return as vulture funds buying distressed debt to ride the inevitable rebound. It's a dirty game, but they're not the root of the problem. The system stems from an original sin, the government's breach of its people's trust. Unlike hard money Bitcoiners, I don't think the answer to these problems is to impose a hard limit on the money supply. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's one of them. That's definitely one of them. Stop being a Ethereum. I'm not saying Bitcoin isn't valuable. On the contrary, it's strict issuance regime gives it digital gold qualities that offer a powerful hedge against breaches of government trust. It's just that deflationary currencies as Argentina's 1990s currency board showed often serve solely the interest of savers. In times of economic contraction, economies need money that consumers and investors will put to work rather than hodl. What solution, then, do Bitcoin and other blockchain solutions offer to the Argentine problem? It lies, I think, in their radical new model of governance, one that turns the trust problem over to an open source algorithm whose rules are defined by a permissionless network, a system whose rules Nixon could never have overridden. It's not, per se, that Bitcoin's rules project a fixed 21 million coin supply 100 years from now but that the rules themselves, whatever the community agrees to, cannot be changed by a centralized power. What we're talking about is a different concept of the sovereign. This is not. This is about not having to trust Richard Nixon, Eduardo Duhalde, the Federal Reserve's Jerome Powell, or Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan. It's about empowering us to choose what currency or system we want for our well-being or to exchange value with others. Whether we choose Bitcoin, the dollar, gold, a stablecoin, or some other blockchain model, what matters most is the very freedom to choose. Okay, I can agree with that one. We need a system of choice that leaves those in power beholden to the choices of the individuals they deign to rule. Amid so much discussion about the future of the financial system, with even Goldman Sachs questioning the future of the dollar's hegemony, let's learn from Argentina's tragedy to design a universal system that crowns the sovereign self. So there you go, man. There's a lot in there that I disagree with. There's some stuff in there that I do agree with. The whole thing from Meltem Demir's, I don't get that one. I really don't. I mean, I don't think shit coins are going to go away. That does not mean that I think any of the shit coins have any real value. The only value that they have is that they prey on the base of one of the base emotions and base functionalities of the human spirit or the human condition and that is greed that 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 interested or, or that that self interest self preservation thing is part of greed that's why greed exists so that you know that you got enough so that you can stay alive now how far greed goes is kind of you know filtered by your morality and ethics set, it's not necessarily bad to be greedy. It is necessarily to be greedy to the point that you're doing real damage, real tangible damage to other people, especially the people around you. So I think that most shit coins are going to stay around or not even most shit coins. I think there's going to be a whole lot of shit coins that stay around for decades because it's playing on the base emotion of greed and not much else. It certainly, I mean, look at Chainlink. Nobody really knows what it does. Look at Ethereum. Nobody knows how much supply there is. I mean, is these are all bullshit. It's all crap. And the only thing that we get as Bitcoiners is a, is an earful of garbage about how we're not doing it right when we're the only ones that actually know anything about our system at all. Because it's not all that complicated. I like dumb, slow, and stupid. Dumb, slow, and stupid get shit done. (sighs) Sorry, I'm ranting again. All right. uh, Bitcoin matches Netflix and AT&T in total market cap. Alexander Behrens is writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. Bitcoin's market cap, the total market cap of all coins added together, is worth as much as some massive companies with household names. So we've already done this one with Coke, but let's see what this one says. Bitcoin is the largest cryptocurrency by market cap, but what does that really mean? It's all magic money, after all. To put things into perspective, its market cap rivals some of the world's most recognizable companies. Bitcoin's market cap is measured by adding up the value of all outstanding shares, tokens, or coins, multiplied by the current market price. Bitcoin is $216 billion dollars, and it's only getting larger, pushing towards goals uh, or towards totals not seen since early 2018 as murmurs of a renewed bull market grow stronger. The current Bitcoin market cap puts it on par with the likes of Netflix and telecom giant at and household names that stand at the head of their respective industries. Bitcoin's market cap peaked in December of 2017 at more than 300 billion. If prices rose to generate similar similar figures today, it would put the world's largest cryptocurrency on par with businesses like JP Morgan Chase and Mastercard at market caps of 302 and 328 billion dollars respectively. That seems like a dream come true for a protocol whose adherence have long dreamt of replacing Legacy financial institutions like banks and credit card companies with their favored decentralized solution ethereum ethereum uh, launched in 2015 is of course substantially smaller than Bitcoin with a market cap of around 44 billion even still that puts the protocol on par with businesses like computer manufacturers Dell and financial services company Charles Schwab uh, both of which employ thousands of people across the globe and generate tens of thousands uh, billions of dollars of revenue annually. Most companies with market caps in the billions have spent decades building up their businesses, investing millions to build up proprietary infrastructure and business practices. All the more impressive then that Bitcoin and Ethereum have risen to compete in overall valuation with some of the most well-known businesses in the United States and across the world in a fraction of the time with completely open source code and organically grown communities. (laughs) Ha! Not bad. (laughs) Let's do some numbers. Major indices show meh. Yeah, it's the same. Everybody's just waiting, I guess. I don't know what we're waiting on. Maybe this this may be a meh general market until after the the well after the election. i don't know this is s and p you know five hundred is down like one you know two tenths of a point. nasdaq is down a point uh Dow Jones is up three quarters of a point footsie's up uh a quarter of a point shanghai's up seven point seven five the volatility has risen two point two five So it's just kind of flat. Everything's moving sideways, it appears. (laughs) Well, except for Bitcoin. Uh, U.S. 10-year bond is up negligibly. U.S. 30-year is up 0.016. So its yield is 1.2. And it's of note that the U.S. 10-year bond is yielding a little bit over one-half of 1%. Uh, German 10 years is is going to cost you a half a percent to hold that thing. It's disgusting. Oil up one point seven two percent. West Texas Intermediate crude for a barrel is going to cost you forty two bucks. Uh, natural gas finally got kicked in the nuts. It's down two point six eight percent and it's selling at two dollars and seventeen cents for one MCF. Gold is up a full percent. It's still over two thousand, but not at, at its highs. It's at two thousand and forty eight dollars. Silver is on a tear. It's damn near peak and past 30, guys. 5.79% to the upside, places it squarely in $29 territory. Uh, but again, let's talk about, you know, real money. Bitcoin is at almost 12,000, guys. Almost. It's 11,924. I got a high at bid asset, 11,933. And I got a low at hit BTC at eleven thousand eight hundred. And $93. So a good, uh, you know, it's a good 120, 130 bucks uh, uh, gap, whatever. 272,000 transactions have been made in the last 24 hours. That's not a whole lot, it means fees are probably cheap. Uh, 12,000 transactions are being sent on average per hour. Only 830,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. And that gives us about 34,000 BTC being sent on average per hour with 3 BTC being the average transaction value and the median transaction value at 0.034. And that's about $400. Block times are slightly elevated by 13 seconds. We are at 10 minutes and 13 seconds. Only 0.59 BTC have been taken uh, in fees on a per block basis. And only 82, well, actually that's a lot. 82.5 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We have a bump in hash rate. 6.68% of the upside brings us to 127 exahashes per second. Ethereum at 395, Bcash at 302, BSV at 224, Litecoin at 57.8. Ethereum Classic at $6.93 and Dogecoin holding it at 0.0035. If you got to have a shit coin, why not Doge? Okay, don't kill me. It's 52,602 transactions over the last 24 hours uh knocks the snot out of Ethereum classic it pummels litecoin's 43,000 and it's got bcash in a rope hold at the side of the ring 17,535 why because nobody uses it it's all crap don't worry about it clark moody hey clark what do you got to tell me today about the mempool it's not the mempool it's whatever mempool he's looking at and apparently there are forty-five thousand transactions in that particular mempool representing twenty-three blocks. So we will have to clear twenty-three blocks out to be uh, uh, back to zero in the mempool. Uh, lightning capacity is at seven, or no seven nine hundred and seventy-one and a half BTC. That gives us eleven point six million dollars in uh, liquidity over seven thousand three hundred twenty-nine nodes representing thirty-six thousand three hundred seventy-one channels. Tor network is b- bumped up a little. 44.8% of the Lightning network is now Tor. That is 435.65 BTC. Um, and that's run over 2,149 nodes. So that's going to do it for Vitals. Mm. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to kick this part off with Helen Parts writing for Coin Telegraph about the Max Capital flight out of Asia is taking Bitcoin Express, says Max Kaiser. This was written sometime earlier this morning. Uh, capital flight out of Asia is one of major uh, is one major reason for Bitcoin hitting new 2020 highs in August, a major Bitcoin advocate believes. Matt K- Kaiser, a famous American broadcaster and known Bitcoin bull, is confident that raising tensions in Asia are one of the factors for Bitcoin's rally up to 12,000. Quote, you can't take it with you, unless it's Bitcoin, end quote. In an August 10 tweet, Kaiser argued that Bitcoin is a solid method to move big amounts of money abroad while crossing borders. According to Kaiser, a number of people in Asia are using Bitcoin to move their money out of the continent as geopolitical tensions risk affecting markets. Capital flight out of Asia, taking the Bitcoin Express, he said. Comparing Bitcoin to gold, one of the world's most popular safe haven assets, Kaiser argued that um, uh, Bitcoin is one of the few ways to move a fortune abroad. Kaiser said you can't take it with you unless it's Bitcoin. Then you can take it all with you. Something near impossible with gold. The news comes amid reports of Chinese citizens illegally crossing into the United States with $28,000 worth of gold bars. Oh man, that would freak me out, dude. While Kaiser did not clarify exactly which situation he was referring to, the Financial Times reported on August the 7th that Hong Kong's wealthy are moving large amounts of their gold out of the financial hub after Beijing imposed a new national security law on the city in July of 2020. That's the month that we lost Hong Kong, guys. Just Hong Kong is 100% lost. Okay, I'm, I'm, this is just me talking right here. Do not think Hong Kong is coming back. It's not. Hong Kongers lost that battle. It's sad. I hate the Chinese government for doing this to the to the Hong Kongers, but they lost. They. They got their asses handed to them and now they're going to hand their ass right back or, or China's ass right back to them by leaving. They're going to leave and they're going to take as much of their wealth with them as they can. Okay. That's what this whole thing is about. Joshua Rotbart, head of Rotbart and Company, a Hong Kong based gold dealer and storage provider reportedly said that after the national security law was passed, There could be immediate response from Hong Kong residents asking to store gold somewhere else. Earlier in July, Cointelegraph reported that major global banks like Credit Suisse and HSBC were limiting services to Hong Kong clients amid the ongoing protest over China-backed national security law. Last week, another Bitcoin bull, Anthony Pompliano, predicted that Bitcoin will eventually become a bigger market than gold thanks to its superior digital nature. Yes, there's... So many stories out there about people that converted as much of their wealth as possible to and collapsed it into as small of a, I don't know, a footprint as possible. And gold is one of them. But, you know, Jews would do that, come getting out of trying to flee Germany before Hitler really started rounding them up. Uh, and they were converting to diamonds. And because you can eat, you can eat diamonds and crap them back out and recover them. Not all of them did it, but and not only Jews did it. There was a lot of people that were like, just any way that they could get their wealth out. Because it's not just you getting out. When you get to wherever the hell you got to after getting out, you got to set up. And without any money whatsoever, that's kind of hard to do. So if you have any wealth, you want to take it with you, but crossing borders are inherently freaking dangerous. You put 12 words in your head, or somehow or another, just write 12 words on pages in a book. You know, I would make copies of, you know, and put it in like several different books, but in in either event, if you can get across the the border with just 12 words, that's all it takes. That's all it's ever going to take from now on. I use 24 words, but You know, whatever. Canadian weatherman Frankie McDonald is bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah, he screams it all the time, dude. Cointelegraph's Turner Wright uh, pinning this one about six hours ago. Frankie McDonald is the latest internet personality to use his platform to push adoption of Bitcoin to a seemingly new audience. Frankie McDonald, an amateur meteorologist based in Nova Scotia, has recently been using his platform to talk up Bitcoin in his charismatic voice. In a series of tweets... Beginning August the 8th, McDonald posted videos stating his view on the cryptocurrency to his 118,500 followers. The Canadian weatherman said that Bitcoin is worth more than the American dollar, taking viewers through the numbers if they owned anywhere from one BTC, 12 grand at press time, and 10 million BTC or over $160 billion at the time. The 36 year old YouTuber began making videos on his platform in 2009, which focused on meteorology in Canada and the United States. McDonald gained momentum online, standing out with his unique style of forecasts. After seeing a video of McDonald shouting Bitcoin on August the 7th, the crypto community has quickly picked up on the Canadian's charisma and turned him into a new meme as the token surged past $12,000. God, us and our memes, we'll turn anything into a meme. One of McDonald's mantras featured in the title of his book and one of his songs is, quote, be prepared. He has yet to associate the phrase with the volatility of cryptocurrency. A number of high profile individuals not normally associated with cryptocurrency have been bullish on Bitcoin lately after speaking with Pomp Anthony Pompliano. On his July 1st podcast, comedian Bill Burr said he would be investing in Bitcoin for the first time. Podcaster and celebrity Joe Rogan has been using his platform to talk up the cryptocurrency to his more than 200 million listeners as part of his sponsorship with Cash App. Even online personalities with more of a connection to the financial sector are speaking out. Cointelegraph reported on August the 4th that Dave Portnoy enlisted the help of Gemini co-founders Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, the Winklevi, regarding Bitcoin. Portnoy told the twins he wanted them to explain Bitcoin in a way that I would understand. They left out the part that he wants them in their rowing outfits, which still makes me kind of cringe, dude. Will this quantum computing breakthrough save Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Let's find out. Daily Hodel staff writing for the Daily Hodel sometime yesterday. A new computing breakthrough may just save Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from powerful quantum machines that have the potential to breach public key cryptography. Let me stop right there for just a sec. If quantum machines break public key cryptography, Bitcoin is the least of your worries. Honestly, I mean, yeah, they'll come after it too, but the Federal Reserve, every single bank, every single online service, every database on the face of the planet, everything is gone in an instant. They won't, I don't know if they'll be erased or just copied and and used. I mean, but they'll all be compromised. 100% right so keep that in mind if 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 shit like this were to actually break out we've probably got other problems than whether or not somebody figured out how to i don't know get my key or, or or break my break my key my wallet key i don't know it's it's i think that this is a boogeyman i don't think it's something that we shouldn't be interested in at all by all means, let us move forward and, and think about how to, you know, make cryptography work in a quantum computing age. But I, I sniveling and losing your shit over it and having heart attacks and strokes about it, probably not the most helpful thing in the world. Let's continue. Researchers are following the development of a new measure known as lattice-based cryptography that promises to make crypto technology more quantum-proof, reports MIT Technology Review. Lattice-based cryptography may neutralize the massive computational capabilities of quantum computers by hiding data inside complex geometric structures that contain a grid of infinite dots that are spread across thousands of dimensions. Oh, Oh my, that sounds scary. The security measure appears to be virtually impenetrable, even with the use of powerful quantum computers, unless one holds the key. The emergence of quantum computing machines has grabbed headlines over the past few months as the technology poses a threat to cryptographic algorithms that keep cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, as well as the Internet at large, secure. The World Economic Forum explains how quantum computers can break current standards of encryption, quote, the sheer calculating ability of a sufficiently powerful and error-corrected quantum computer means that public-key cryptography is destined to fail and would put the technology used to pro- protect many of today's fundamental digital systems and activities at risk, In quote. MIT Technology Review says that while the current iterations are not yet ready for implementation, the solution is promising, especially as a post-quantum future is fast approaching. Ripple, ripple. Ripple CTO David Schwartz says he believes developers have at least eight years until the technology which leverages the property of quantum physics to perform fast calculations becomes sophisticated en- enough to crack the cryptocurrencies. Quote, I think we have at least eight years. I have very high confidence because you're a con man that it's at least a decade before quantum computing presents a threat. But you never know when there could be a breakthrough. I'm a cautious and concerned observer. I would say, no, you're a fricking scam artist and you're dumping your shit on retail. Please stop. Nobody needs ripple. Oh, Bitcoin matches. Netflix. Oh, I already did that one. Didn't I? Oh, uh, okay. Let's end it with this one. Uh, this is, oh, wow. I'm only 50 minutes in. So we'll, we'll see how this uh, works out. I I needed to put the show together in kind of a, fast way today. I got to take, uh, my son's ear is hurting him. So I got to take him as fast as I can to, well, not as fast as I can. It's not like he's writhing pain on the floor, but his ear has been bothering him for a couple of days. So now that it's Monday, I got to run him to the doctor. So forgive the roughness, the roughness of the show. This one, I'm going to uh, do a preamble for the, the title is Texas regulators move forward with plan to reduce oil field flaring. Let me read that again. Texas regulators move forward with plan to reduce oil field flaring. If you did not know this, okay, because there's been a lot we've, as you know, if you're a Bitcoiner of any age whatsoever, then you've probably heard about Bitcoin mining, going and trying to find the cheapest energy sources ever. Like, it, and it will continue. Bitcoin will be the pioneer on finding or developing the cheapest energy available. It will not be uh, Atmos energy. It will not be Shell. It will not be ExxonMobil. It's not going to be any of these guys. Texaco, the whole ball of wax. They don't give a shit. That's, they, they know how to punch holes in ground and get shit out of ground. That's what they know how to do. It's going to be Bitcoin and the people behind it that figure out all the alternatives. They did a little bit with solar. They got a fair amount with wind energy, but it's going to be the Bitcoin people that really blow apart the way energy is thought about over the next two or three decades. It, it will be Bitcoin. So if you didn't know, Texas does not require, there there are no requisites on flaring natural gas in West Texas. There's some, a little bit of, there's a little bit of like, I don't know, lip service that you pay for it. But by and large, it's not like you're, it's not like Colorado uh, or New Mexico or possibly West Virginia or, you know, or Virginia. Yes, they they have oil and gas. There's a lot of shale over there in the Virginias. <clears throat> so because of that, Texas's oil producers never, they don't give a shit. They're going to start giving a shit, okay? And guess what? I don't think this is going to go away. I don't think the oil and gas lobby groups are going to be able to get past what, what Texas wants to do because right now, there's quite a bit of socialism and communism going on at the state government and in the governmental institutions. And this one is probably going to be done by the, uh, what's called the Texas Railroad Commission. Don't ask, but they regulate all oil and gas in the state of Texas. I know it's the, it's the Railroad Commission, probably to do with the fact that most of the, um, all the, uh, what do they call it? Surveys of land surveys, where you find out where the boundaries are and stuff, most of all of the surveys that were done in Texas were performed by, by either railroad companies or commissions or whatnot. I think that that's what happened is it just over time, it just became the oil and gas regulator because it was always part of oil and gas from the very beginning. Anyway, we don't require it. We are probably going to require it, which guess what? Opens up a huge amount of opportunities for Bitcoin mining in West Texas because the regulations weren't here that would have been a much harder sell to west texas oil and gas producers but now they're gonna need flare mitigation and if flare mitigation they don't give a shit how you mitigate their flare they don't care they they don't care they're gonna pay for it anyway okay so two things are gonna happen one they're gonna pay for flare mitigation Two, they're going to find the gas wells that would cost them the most to mitigate the flare that they're getting the least amount of revenue on, and they're going to shut them in unless we give them a reason to keep them open. Because jobs will be lost from this if there's nothing that if there's no if there's no outlet, okay, if there's no pressure release valve on this, even more people in the oil and gas industry in West Texas are going to lose their jobs because of this shit. So enter things like layer one official, uh, Great American Mining, Steve Barber, uh, a couple of other people. Uh, I think Steve Barber is upstream. I can't remember if that's the name of his outfit or not. Uh, Still banned on Twitter though, for some reason. I'm not sure. Anyway, all, all of these companies have something to do with going out, finding cheap ass gas. Great American or energy, Great American Mining is one of the companies and Steve Barber is one of the people that are looking for uh the ability to ply flare mitigation in the oil field and sell it as a service and then generate bitcoin for the uh, bitcoin for the company on the other end okay so there's the preamble let's get into what this article actually says it is from courthousenews.com and uh, cr- clearly it came across my desk because Marty Bent who works for Great American Mining uh yeah did yeah. That's how I got a hold of it. Texas regulators on Tuesday moved forward with proposed administrative changes that are expected to become part of a broader effort to tackle the years-long problem of oil field flaring, where companies burn off excess natural gas into the air before the coronavirus pandemic gutted global oil demand and decimated the United States oil industry as a result. High levels of flaring in Texas oil fields had long frustrated environmental groups and even some within the industry. Though the issue may have become less urgent in recent months as flaring fell alongside massive declines in U.S. oil production, environmental groups remain worried about the longer-term picture given that flaring activity can still bounce back as the economy and the oil industry recovers. The practice, when natural gas is burned off because of a lack of pipelines to ship it to market or because of emergencies, causes local air pollution and wastes a valuable energy resource. Some experts have called for or called flaring a black eye for the industry. Hmm. <laughs> Probably worse shit than that. At a virtual meeting Tuesday, regulators with the Texas Railroad Commission—yeah, that's what I figured—which oversees fossil fuels, not railroads—moved <laughs> moved to vote to, voted to move forward with proposed changes to the administrative form that companies have to fill out when they want to flare gas beyond what's typically allowed. The commission plans to take public comments on the proposed changes for 30 days, with a final vote expected later this year. Under the proposal, companies seeking to flare gas for an extended period of time. Uh, would face a more detailed application form than the one that's currently used. Companies would have to offer more thorough justifications for why they need to flare. For starters, while the commission could would closely track the locations of where the extended flaring occurs. At Tuesday's meeting, one railroad commission staffer said the new version of what's called the statewide rule 32 exception data sheet would lead to less flaring. Quote, if adopted, the proposed data sheet would reduce the duration of of administrative flaring exceptions in many circumstances, said Paul Dubois, the assistant director for technical permitting within the agency's oil and gas division. The proposal stems from the recommendations developed at the regulator's request by a coalition of pro-industry trade groups. In June, the groups released a report outlining a variety of steps regulators could take to reducing flaring including measures the report said would encourage operators to flare less for less total time and to seek and develop alternatives dubois said the changes to the flaring form would give companies incentives to voluntarily deploy flare reduction technology aka bitcoin bitcoin god just say it say the word sorry Critics remained skeptical about the proposal and responded Tuesday with calls for the Railroad Commission to do more. Please regulate the living crap out of me. The Texas chapter of the Sierra Club slammed the proposal as lackluster, noting that regulators also approved about 30 requests for extended flaring at Tuesday's meeting at the same time that they moved forward with an effort to reduce flaring. This surprises you? Quote, better data and documentation is a good thing, but the commission should listen to companies. The public and legislatures are legislators calling on a much bolder approach to actually reduce pollution that has impacted communities right here in Texas. Cyrus Reed, an advocate with the environmental group, said in a statement. The Sierra Club also pointed to a letter uh, a group of Democratic state lawmakers sent the commission ahead of Tuesday's meeting, urging the regulators to come up with a plan to end routine flaring in Texas. Colin Layden An advocate in the Environmental Defense Fund described the proposed changes as limited improvements, but also pushed regulators to take further action. The EDF has worked alongside some of the industry to reduce flaring. Industry is quickly moving to a reality where zero routine flaring is the expected operational standard. The commission needs to commit to ending routine flaring by 2025, define interim targets, and stop granting long-term flaring exemptions like the 30 we saw approved today. During Tuesday's meeting, Dubois cited Railroad Commission data showing that flaring activity in Texas has fallen drastically over the past year, but mostly during the pandemic. From June 2019 to May of this year, the total volume of gas flared across the state fell 82%. Damn, Dubois said, while the rate of flaring fell by 79%. What? Okay, the rate is the ratio of gas flared compared to the amount of all gas produced. Dubois said two thirds of the drop in flaring rates happened just between February and May. The rate of flaring has declined more than the rate for oil, oil and gas production. He said, cautioning that the causal factors are not known. <laughs> oh God. The rate of flaring being reduced by 79% is highly significant when you consider at minimum more than one-third of the reduction came before the curtailment of production in response to the pandemic, said Todd Staples, president of the trade group Texas Oil and Gas Association. Still, the EDF has pointed to more recent evidence from satellite surveys that flaring activity is already on the rise again as oil prices have recovered to a more favorable level. Last week, analyst at the firm Ricestad Energy said flaring levels could rise over the longer term if the pandemic stalls investments in new pipelines, and it will. Quote, regardless of the state of West Texas, Mexico exports, we conclude that a $45 to $50 West Texas oil price wor- uh, world, there will be a need for new gas takeaway projects from the Permian as early as 2023 to 2024. Ricestad analyst Artem Am, Ar- oh, sorry, hold on. Abramov said in a research note, quote, if these projects are not approved early enough, the basin might end up with another period of degradation in local differentials and potentially increased gas flaring. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. And, you know, honestly, uh, it's we're already at 61 minutes, so that's just over an hour. That's my target. I am going to forego telling you a joke. Wait, unless I can remember the one my wife told me. Uh, why does. Why did Casper stop going to dating sites because he kept getting ghosted? Yeah. I mean, that's real bad. That's terrible that's that's actually a terrible bad joke, honestly. I love my wife, but my god, that's oh, dude. Okay. Also, uh, the train wreck. Do I have to? How is how is the fact that you don't know how much metherium that there is is not the largest train wreck in the whole on the in the history of histories. It's, it's a, you know what, screw it. I want to talk a little bit at the end here about this, about flare mitigation tech. That's what they're asking for. Okay. They're asking for flare mitigation tech and they don't give a shit how it works. As long as it takes natural gas and converts it to CO2 and water vapor. They don't care. They really, really, really don't give a shit, okay? It's when you're open flaring, right? You're producing, you're getting a whole lot more, you're opening up a, a lot more can of worms than just CO2 and water vapor, all right? That's sort of their their major, major, major problem. Bitcoin allows that. And if we can figure out, and if we could figure out this, like layer one official, And some, you know, flare mitigation technology company hook up and do both. Do both. Figure out a way to get enough power out into the fields. Yes, that's a lot of CapEx. I get it. It's probably why this ain't going to happen. Figure out a way to get telephone poles out into the field and then do both. You like burn the gas right there convert it to electricity and power the grid or power Bitcoin. If the grid needs a, if the grid needs boosting, you yeah, shut down your Bitcoin miners. If you've got oversupply, you kick on your Bitcoin miners. It does both. It mitigates flare. It balances the grid. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for grandma. I think we should just probably do that. I'll see you on the other side of it.